0: What's up everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audio visual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. I'm your host, Mike Garrick, here with my friends. Sydney, how's it going?
1: You know, it's going pretty good. It is. I had my last day at I had three jobs the last three months, okay? Oh my gosh. And I had my last day at one of my jobs. So I'm down to two jobs, which is good
0: that you're you're saying that like it's a very happy thing so yes we're we're, oh heck yeah (laughs) heck yeah that's awesome (laughs) good uh allison how about you how's the final finality of the semester
2: yeah i know the semester so things are um stressful but we are here and we are doing the thing and we only have a few days left so
0: just a few days left you got it we got this um hopefully that goes for everybody well i guess by the time people are watching this Hopefully, their semesters are over with Advent 3. So ah, you guys are great. You're already feeling the effects of, of the break. And Allison, when you watch this back, think of how happy that you is going to be.
2: Maybe. We'll see.
0: Uh, we were all talking before we started about how we're, uh, we're very excited to take naps after this. Um, so we're going to give you all the energy we have. And then we're going to go take naps. Uh, okay. <laughs> excited uh cindy do you want to open us up in prayer
1: uh yeah i can do that
0: <laughs> right
1: um okay let's pray god i just thank you for this moment um i take a deep breath to center myself because um you know we're bringing a lot of stuff into the space today and always. And so I I pray that um, as we talk today and we listen to each other and learn from each other, we also could um, be centered and experience each other's uh, love and kindness and compassion and just a little little piece of healing together as we um, dive into scripture. Um, Yes, I pray that you would just bless this time and uh, make it fruitful for us. In your precious name, Jesus, amen.
0: I don't know how people feel about like, like if you watch a podcast with a prayer, do you like close your eyes while you're watching? But if you didn't, you just saw me sneeze like seven times during that <laughs> prayer. So, um, and if you do close your eyes while praying, you can play that back and watch me sneeze like seven times. Because I'm like, my God. Um, thankfully, my microphone was off. So, okay, thank you, Sydney. Uh, Allison, you're kicking us off with the New Testament text. You ready? Let's do this. Let's do this.
2: Um, I thought this text was. Um interestingly, 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 I think that's a word, timed with my day. So that was kind of funny. Um, we'll get there. So I have Thessalonians 5, ooh, 16 through 24. That sounds right. I think it's 16 through 24. Um Yeah. So, so it's not that long of a chunk, but um the parts that kind of stood out to me the most is 16, 17, and 18. Um, and I think what I have copied here is The Voice. It's either The Voice or the common English Bible, but I think it's The Voice. Um, celebrate always, pray constantly, and give thanks to God no matter what circumstances you find yourself in. This is God's will for all of you and Jesus the anointed. Um, yeah, it's The Voice. So I thought it was interestingly timed because, like, sometimes I read verses like this. And it, 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 it almost, like, makes things seem so easy. And I feel like that's just not the case. Like it's not easy to always celebrate things. It's not easy to um, constantly keep faith and do all the praying and give things when things might be hard. And so um, I think sometimes we can get lost in the hard things. Um, So like, I just thought it was funny because like today just kind of was not a good day school wise. Um, And a lot of things have been happening today to just kind of like tear me down. And so to then go and read this verse, I was like, oh, that's like a good little reminder of like trying to push through it. But also in the sense that, like, faith is hard and faith is work. um, And we might not always feel like celebrating. We might not always feel like praying. We might not always feel like um, all of the things that this verse talks about. But I think it gives that sense of, like, even when you don't feel like that, that God is there. God is watching. God is present. Um, And so sometimes reading a verse like this can be helpful to kind of bring you around to, Find those celebration, find those prayers, say those prayers, um, give thanks. Um, It just kind of like pulls you back in to the things that might, or away from the things that are kind of clouding you in the moment. Um, But that's kind of the biggest thing that I got out of this one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I, um, I I after hearing you talk about your day, I'm also like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, this like <laughs> slaps you in the face. Oh my gosh! I mean, I feel the same way, especially when when things get really stressed. I'm like, oh, stuff like this. You're like, oh, I feel so. Uh. Um, the the verses that I'm looking at because I also read from the voice and the the don't suppress the spirit, don't downplay prophecies. Take a close look at everything that that um that's really interesting. I have this weird relationship with like trying to figure out what the Holy spirit or the voice of the spirit looks like in my life. Cause I, um I don't know. I feel like growing up, you like hear that and you think of literally like a God voice booming in your head and you're like, that's never happened for me. Um, So then I start, I mean, as I engage with it as an adult, I start to wonder what, how, um what that looks like in response to like, you know, those gut feelings you have and like, or like when there's, when you have this sort of like thought in your mind that you can't let go and you're like, wow, I constantly have this thought. And like, I feel very passionate about this. And I, and I wonder if that, if that can be part of what we're speaking to here, like don't suppress the spirit, don't downplay prophecies. Like for example, since last week, I have nonstop been thinking about fasting, like just the idea of fasting and like, you know, um, moving to like, like taking periods of time where all you do is drink water and just like, what that looks like. I've talked to a lot of people about fasting out of nowhere, all of a sudden in my life, fasting became this like thing that is just stuck in my brain. And I, and I just wonder to what degree that plays into when we're talking about like the spirit's voice in our lives. Um, and this take a close look at everything, test it, cling to what is good. Like that is a God telling us like, Hey, try out all the things, like test it all out, whatever you can. I don't know. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, I, (laughs) um, to me, this kind of sounds like I, okay, I listened to this, um, podcast by this Buddhist teacher named Tara Brock, um, that Derek actually put me onto a a while ago. And, um, obviously she's Buddhist, so, and I'm not a Buddhist, so I don't want to butcher any of the, like, Buddhist philosophies but um I mostly like it because of the work that she does around um feeling your feelings essentially and learning how to like be present in your body identify what you're feeling make space for it um and nurture it and to me like scriptures like this is that invite you to like Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. To me, all, like, can be taken as, like, this kind of, um, this unattainable challenge to, like, always be doing something. But then there's also, like, okay, but what does this really look like? This looks like being present, like, continually learning and practicing being present in our bodies. And noticing what we're experiencing and noticing the moments that we're in grief and noticing the moments that we're in frustration and figuring out how to, like, make peace with those and figuring out how to f- be grateful for the people and the things around us. And, and you know, what I mean, it, it's like a practice like any other, learning how to, like, be present and in like loving compassion with yourself and so I don't know that's just what I thought of and I feel like that's also a really good reminder for me always because I like like to numb my brain and just fry it by scrolling on TikTok and on the internet and <laughs> I just like I'm like an iPad kid sometimes I'm like, I have five different screens in front of me and I'm just like don't want to like be present. Um, I literally deleted the apps a couple of days ago. Cause I was like, I need a detox. So I don't know. That's kind of what this sounds like.
0: Yeah, no, th- th- I think that's, that's great, Sydney, especially as we're like, I mean, again, Advent, Advent three in the Advent season, like this is a time where being present is important because for a lot of us, especially college age, young adults we're like seeing family we haven't seen in a while, like going back to our hometowns, maybe seeing friends and all these people that, um, that you do want to be present with and need to be present with, um, and we're going into new environments, so or or old environments that have that feel new now, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that I think that's a very important thing to reflect on. Um, I also, uh, iPad kids is such a funny phrase to me. God, <laughs> iPad kids. Uh, okay, that being said, uh, Sydney, do you do you want to lead us into the Old Testament text now?
1: Yeah. All
0: right, take it away.
1: Um, okay, so my scripture was isaiah sixty one um, one through four, and then eight through eleven. Um, I feel lucky because usually when I get the old Testament text, <laughs> the Old Testament scripture, um I find it quite challenging. But this particular scripture, um is, well, it's like the life verse, I guess, or chapter for Campus to City Wesley, which is the organization that the three of us met at. And that is kind of like the, I, I don't know what you would call Camp CCW in relation to Studio Wesley, but a Wesleyan college ministry, you know what I'm saying? Um. anyway. I've sat with this scripture a lot. We've read this scripture a lot. We've done a lot of studies with the scripture. And so I guess reading the scripture in preparation for this episode was very comforting for me. Um, And I think in general it is a comforting text. um, And especially when it's something attached to community. um, In a community that you experienced a lot of love and care in. But um, so CCW's like main verse that we read a lot was Isaiah 61, four, which I actually need to, um, please hold, pull up. Cause I accidentally got rid of it. Okay. Which, uh, states they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations and um I spent a long time in community talking about this verse as an invitation to well especially for young adults who may or may not be going through um A lot of spiritual deconstruction or not even necessarily spiritual. It can be political. It can just be with the way you see the world, (laughs) the things you're learning and being exposed to different people and different perspectives. It can feel really overwhelming to feel like your worldview that you inherited is kind of like coming apart all at once. And it can be really easy to kind of fall into this just like spiral of deconstructing everything and just wanting to tear down all your beliefs and tear down every system to, you know, until it's just in shambles, which is fine, but eventually you have to rebuild something. Um, and so it's kind of like an invitation to also rebuild what, you know, spirituality looks for you like for you now or what community looks like for you now or what you know your political beliefs may transform into or whatever um and that was a really important and a meaningful interpretation of this passage to me for a really long time but I was also I was rereading the passage today I also kind of was found myself circling. um verse 1 that just starts with the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me because the lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Isaiah goes on to say, you know, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to captives. Um and I think I love this. I think I love this because as somebody who spends a lot of time with people who are not um, Christians or aren't spiritual in the same way, you know, I have been historically or don't have the background I do. Um, I think that for a long time, I really wrestled with this idea of like, how do you know who is um, being led by the spirit of god how do you know who is leading people astray how do you how can you trust you know certain perspectives and not others you know who do you know is you know because you get taught that they're false teachers and all of these kinds of things about this whole idea of like good and bad and who is spiritually correct and wrong and who's theologically right and wrong but Something about this verse feels so simple. It says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, period. And it's like, okay, who in my life do I feel like is doing the work to proclaim good news to the poor and to bind up broken heart? Who is doing that work in my life? Those are people that I believe that is being led by the Spirit and who has been anointed by the Spirit. um, Maybe that's you don't know. I don't think that's I don't think that that's a crazy thing to say. And that's something that I have found a lot of comfort in in my life and in being in different communities. So I feel like that was really everywhere. But that's just kind of like where I'm at today with the scripture. <laughs>
2: No, I kind of love. I kind of love that full circle thing that you started with, um, with like how we've all met and the season. like. I didn't even. I didn't even notice that that verse wasn't here at first. You you said it, and I went, "Oh yeah, we are on Isaiah six one v four right now." I as Isaiah sixty one verse four, um, and so it just. Yeah, I just love that full circle moment. But I also think it kind of has that verse specifically has ties to like. You know, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about, like, systemic ties within the verses and, like, what they're saying about um, what it could potentially be leading us to do or saying about, you know, all the things, human rights and all the, you know, I I don't have to go through all the things anymore. But I do think verses like um, this one, Isaiah 61.4, I think it has that hope piece in it that we kind of talked about before where like when all else seems to be tearing us apart or tearing us down and we're doing everything we can, but it feels like it's not enough, you know, reading verses like this, I think pulls us out of that, like despair and out of that negative space. And it kind of brings in that hope, um, which I think we all need to get through times like that and like this. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah. This has, this is, I, I've never like, thought about this that deeply until a couple weeks ago, but like this has major like liturgy energy for me because this is like something that we want to say to ourselves, right? The spirit of the Lord, the eternal is on me. The Lord has appointed me for a special purpose. Uh, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, right? So like I, I totally see this as like um, like a community kind of speaking this into themselves, um, which is like a very powerful thing i think it was the episode i did with derek where he he pointed to a scripture and he's like this is liturgy and yeah i don't know there's something really really interesting in noting like a scripture's um connection to like your individuality of saying hey you as an individual have this power um versus like you know the spirit of the lord is on is on us all you know the lord has appointed all of us for the special purpose which still holds a lot of weight but um there's a difference when you're like reflecting on this and saying it to yourself of like, Oh, I have this power. This is like something that I should be doing and working towards, which I think is interesting. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's me tacking on at the end because you guys said all the good stuff in the group presentation um, <laughs> you gave me the, the credit slide at the end. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Okay. That being said, we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. have a good break i had a good break uh we're gonna launch we're gonna go a little out of order because three person episode today so we're gonna skip right on through to the gospel we'll come back to the psalm and we got you i promise okay so i have the gospel john 16 or no i'm sorry john one six through eight and then also verses 19 through 28 um, so kind of a, a small little chunk uh i'm gonna read parts of the end so there's this exchange where we um were once again Uh, discussing John the Baptist, which I I spoke about in the last Advent a little bit. Um, So religious leaders, uh, priests and Levites approached John the Baptist in Bethany, just beyond the Jordan river while he was baptizing and bombarded him with questions. The exchange looks like this. They say to him, who are you? And he says, I'm not the anointed one. If that's what you're asking, Uh, your words sound familiar like a prophet's. Is that how we should address you? Are you the prophet Elijah? He says, no, I am not. Are you the prophet Moses told us would come? No then tell us who you are and what uh, what you're about so we can let other people know. And John the Baptist says, listen, I am a voice calling out in the wilderness, straight out of the road for the Lord. He's on his way. So uh, really at the basis of this this text for me, um, I just read it as a, a text about identity. So John the Baptist is super clear in who he is and who he is not, um, and it feels the vibes are the vibes are really funny to me. At least on the first read, he's like, he's like, well, uh, no, not that, not that. I'm just, uh, I'm just some guy, you know. I'm just some guy who eats locusts and honey. He doesn't say that in this verse, but that's what we know. Um, and I think it draws this big question for me about um, what the identity of Jesus looks like, and even more so, how often and frequent I am calling that out. So, John the Baptist here, he's very clear in who he is, and he knows who he's not. Um, And he's also like doing that so that he can point people towards Jesus, so that he can set people up and show them what Jesus is going to look like, right? Um, And it may sound simple to say that, but I think if we look at John the Baptist through this lens of his, his honesty and his sureness around who he is and everything. Um, like, what does that say about our own lives as we work to engage with Jesus and those around us who may not know Jesus because um, the sureness in ourselves and that, that clarity and honesty with ourselves, if we are following the sort of like logic that we should always be growing towards being Christ-like and, and representing the spirit and God and Jesus and everything. Um, then what does that look like and how can we live through that specifically in, in the confidence that John the Baptist has, right? As he's being confronted and these people are like thinking that he's this great person. I mean, he's being, he's gaining a lot of popularity and he's, people are mistaking him for the anointed one. He's very clear to shut that down, right? Cause that's not who he is, but he's able to articulate who he actually is and what's, um, Going to happen. Um, and then I wrote, Do we have a strong enough relationship with Jesus to be able to point um them out to people? Because if we're basing this off of like our understanding of what relationships look like, then we have to know somebody pretty deeply in order to be able to show others who they are, right? Like, if I'm gonna explain who my friend is, I better have a good knowledge of, of my friend and have done in the done the work to get to know them. And I think the same thing with Jesus, John the Baptist is working to point out Jesus to people like, and paving the way and like setting that up because he's done the work and he knows and trusts and believes in who and what Jesus is. Um, because ultimately Jesus is in so much for us. Uh, I've, Oh, and here in my notes, I've gone on record saying Jesus is in nature, uh, for me. And I know other people of us have talked about, um, seeing Jesus in our friend groups and in all these different areas in our lives, Jesus in the marginalized communities, for example. Um, and how can we channel that clarity that John the Baptist has in uh, this is who I am, this is what God is. Uh, there's both humility and confidence in that, that I think is a strong thing for us to cling to as Christians. Um, and as it relates to advice that we give college aged young adults, people, um, I think this can tie into that theme of uh, it's unhelpful unhelpful to pretend like you're someone who you're not. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a little It's a little scattered, but I feel like um, that just this whole discussion around identity, I don't know. Um, they say, how can you travel the countryside baptizing people if you're not the anointed one, Elijah, or a prophet? And he says, again, baptizing with water is what I do, but the one whom I speak of whom we all await is standing among you and you have no idea who he is, though he comes after me, I am not even worthy to unlace his sandals. I don't know. I I, I guess I'm just drawn to and respect this notion of somebody being very sure in who they are and therefore, um, yeah, that humility and confidence is something I seek out. So I don't know. I'll leave it there. Love to hear your thoughts on this.
1: I really like the... I really like that interpretation of this scripture. Um I actually think that's a really profound thing to dive into for so many reasons. <sighs> Especially in just it, it it applies to so many things, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not just like in the work that we do in the church. It, it can apply so much broader just in the work that you do in your community or you know if you consider yourself to be some kind of activist the work that you do in that sphere it can be really hard to be an individual sometimes I think especially in the society that tells you so many things about what it means to be an individual and the impact you should or shouldn't be having and how you should or shouldn't be doing something so special if you're, you know, a successful individual, somebody who is special and stands out and all these kind of messages we get about what it means to be an individual person. But I like the way that John the Baptist situates himself in something much bigger. Um, And that's like a part of our identity. It's like both, it has to be both. It has to be like, yes, I am doing this one thing. This is who I am. This is who I'm not. Because there's something so much bigger at play, and so it's like it takes away that existential feeling of like I have to be doing more. And if I'm not doing more, then I'm not enough. Um, because I'm just one piece in it. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not gonna be the whole thing. I'm not gonna be the whole story. I, I'm, I'm taking responsibility for the piece, the part that I play and trusting that there's something so much broader and bigger and more powerful in the collective. Um, and that I think applies for, in this instance, like Jesus, but also the body of Christ. Um, brought more broadly speaking, I guess. So I think that has a lot of really tangible applications for the way we situate ourselves in the work we do.
2: Yeah, I got um, my brain stuck on something you said and kind of the more, like more towards the beginning of what you were talking about of like um. you're talking about how John the Baptist kind of talks about Jesus to people like you would talk about your friend. Um, And I think there's like beautiful correlations there where my head's just kind of their words. My head is there currently um, of like, you know, we teach kids in like Sunday school and BBS and all the little tiny human things they do in churches of like Jesus is our friend. Um, And so my mind instantly and I don't really know like the parallels to these actual verse, but like my mind instantly started going to like there's just something beautiful and like telling people about Jesus in the same way you would tell people about your friends, but also like that extra step of like talking to Jesus himself, just like you talk to your friends, which both of those just in my head seem so much more approachable than like other things in the past that I've thought about or tried to make those connections there. And so I don't know how relatable that is, but that's where my brain went. (laughs)
0: No, no. Thank you for saying that. I, um, yeah, I think it's, it's especially fun for me to think about because I'm just picturing John the Baptist. who's always like pictured in the Bible as this, like he's wearing like, dingy like dirty clothes he's eating like locusts and honey right this is what we and i just picture him like standing in water you know baptizing he's like oh oh i'm i'm it's like kind of self deprecating too like (laughs) you think i'm the no absolutely not me at all not me at all i'll tell you no no no, it's somebody way better than this you know i don't know it's it's very like an i don't know that's how i picture it and it's very fun to me um because it's like super down to earth and it's like oh no you guys are crazy you're just grasping at straws um yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you guys for helping articulate some of that word vomit that I had prepped here. Um, we're going to move on to the Psalm now, Psalm 126, as we do with three-person episodes. Uh, this, time, this one's pretty short, so I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing and then kind of open it up. I think we'll do all mics on, just uh, engage with it as a conversation because why not? I think it's fun. So my translation, I'm reading from The Voice which refers to God as the eternal, just so you're prepared. Um, and it titles this psalm, A Song for Those Journeying to Worship. Uh, this is verses 1 through, one through 6, the, the whole chapter. Um, Remember when the eternal brought back the exiles to Zion? It was as if we were dreaming. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were spilling over into song. The word went out across the prairies and deserts, across the hills, over the oceans wide, from nation to nation. The Eternal has done remarkable things for them. We shook our heads. All of us were stunned. The Eternal has done remarkable things for us. We were beyond happy, beyond joyful. And now, the Eternal One, some are held captive and poor. Release them and restore our fortunes as the dry riverbeds of the south spring to life when the rains come at last. Those who walk the fields to sow, casting their seeds in tears, will one day tread those same long rows amazed by what's appeared. Those who weep as they walk and plant with sighs will return singing with joy when they bring home the harvest." It's very very poetic. There was, even a rhyme in, there was even a rhyme in there in this translation, which I think is pretty dope. Uh, let me open the floor to you guys first. Uh, Sydney Allison, you guys have thoughts on this?
1: Um, <laughs> Maybe the first
0: um, thing I'm that gonna, pops into your head? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna jump in. I um, okay, couple thoughts. Um, the I'm looking at it in CEB, and it the top title says a pilgrimage song. Whenever oh, I, I see so. that, I um. I don't know what that means, so let me not say act like I know, but I always imagine that people do pilgrimages together, so it's some kind of yeah. song that people are singing on the pilgrimage with other people who
0: mm.
1: have kind of a cultural a heritage, shared culture. Um, and so I, I think it's interesting how this psalm, um, the first part is, remember when the Lord... My translation said, the Lord changed Ion's circumstances for the better. It was like we had been dreaming. And it's like celebrating what the Lord did for their people. And then the second part is, Lord, change our circumstances for the better. And something about that feels so poetic, like remembering the things that God has done in your life, in your ancestors' lives. In the stories that you inherit culturally, so that you can trust that the Lord is going to do the same thing for you. I think there's something really beautiful about that, um, and about the image of them singing this song together. It's like a, kind of like a mantra. Um, a lot of my friends who believe in like manifestation and stuff, I say that I quotation not because Anything offensive just because like there's a lot of ways you can think about that. Wow. But they talk about how some variations of this concept start with saying something or writing something as if it had already happened. And that kind of reminds me of this of like remembering or claiming something that has happened in the past or as if something had already happened so that you are putting yourself in like a posture to receive that same kind of blessing again. Um, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I um, I liked the, I don't know if parallel's the right word. I liked how you pulled in those first verses from both chunks um, and how you see the change in them. Um, I also, it's interesting kind of the route you took with it because it kind of changed the way I saw it a little bit. So initially going into it, I read it and I was like, mm, this feels like another verse similar like what I was talking about earlier, where it makes just makes it seem like things are so easy and like you just, you know, say, Lord, change your circumstances, things get better, which is like not entirely the case, you know. Um, there's other things that go into it, you know, where, where, you know, maybe something bad is happening, but you're more so praying for comfort during that time or strength during that time. But like that circumstance in itself might not change right away, or if at all. Um, But I love the connection you made of like almost pulling our faith from what we've seen happen to those that have come before us. Um, And it kind of, in a way, fully changed how I was thinking about this verse. And I think that's all I have for now. Like, it just everything I was going to say is like out the window after hearing you talk, Uh Sydney. And so now I'm kind of like, I just need to sit with this for a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I think that shift in the second half is is very strong. I mean, obviously the thing that catches me the most is what rhymes in this translation for me. So those who walk the fields to sow casting their seed in tears will one day tread those same long rows, amazed by what's appeared. Um, I do think this is this is really strong because again, in this advent season, I just always feel like it's important to mention and acknowledge the fact that um, holidays come with baggage for a lot of people too. Mm-hmm. so we can view that we can see the joyous. Um, again, this first half of this chunk, we can see the joyous. We can see the the laughter, the the spilling and song, like all the remarkable things, the beauty, the amazing, happy, joyous times of the holidays. But then there's also the part of us that, recognizing res, recognizing that, calls to God to to help. Release those who are held captive and poor, right? Um, and that that can be both literally and figuratively. I'm thinking of people that are like burdened by um, the loss of loved ones. I don't want to say burdened, but you know, like they're holding on to that in the holidays, and that prevents some of that joy that we're talking about. And then we hear this: um, "Those who walk the fields, casting their seed in tears, will one day walk those same rows, amazed by what's appeared." And I I do think this speaks into that thing we tell people where it's like like it's going to get better, um, which is so hollow sometimes, but, but put in this context of recognizing the beauty of the past and using that to kind of motivate our hopeful futures um, I think is, is really strong for me. Does that, does that make sense? Did that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, that is such a strong and like powerful image of, like uh, my translation says, let those who plant with tears reap the harvest. Harvest with joyful shouts. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of like the image of watering your seeds with like your yeah. tears. Um, and yeah, it's just so like I I get, I, don't, I just want that for. I want that for people who um, are going through a hard time during the holiday season or people who are going through a a hard time, you know, um, globally, Mm -hmm. just that, like, they would be healed, you know? I don't, I, I, it sounds hollow, but it's like, yeah. It's just you just hope that people who experience such immense suffering at some point get to experience immense joy um, mm-hmm. to balance it, you know. And I know it's not always that case, but it's just you hope. And you hope that at least the anticipation that joy is on the horizon helps people get through it, you know. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. uh, Yeah, that's, I mean, that might be where we have to leave it. I don't want to leave it on too somber of a note. Right. But, but again, I mean, I mean, I might say this in every Advent episode. I just feel like with the joyous times, we have to also then acknowledge the, like the struggles that other people are going through in the worldly context, because, um, I mean, I think to be a Christ follower is, is to acknowledge the joy with the suffering at the same time. And we see this everywhere. Right. So, um, the two things can can live at the same time. We can experience the joy of the holidays while also recognizing the the sorrows that come with it for other people. And um, we have to be able to live and recognize in that dichotomy, or else we're like, I think we, we can bring harm, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know. Good 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 thoughts, y'all. Great great discussion. Thank you for that. Um, that does bring us to the end of the episode. It's weird to end on a psalm, but I kind of, I don't know. I kind of appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer real quick if we can. Um, uh, God, thank you as always for letting us engage with these texts. Um, yeah. I think the ho- the holidays are, are a unique time. Every holiday is a unique time. Um, Christmas and Advent specifically, because yeah, like, I mean, like we ju- were just saying, it comes with baggage for some and so much immense joy for others. And, there's, it's like an it's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster at all these different times for so many different people, and and um, something that um, I forget I don't know what the word I'm looking for is something that's that's got that much weight and diversity and things behind it um, can only be connected to you because that's the only way we can make sense through all of it. So, thank you as always. Hope these texts will be um, this discussion will be fruitful for someone uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Yeah, this has been Studio Wesley Annex. Sydney, Allison, thank you so much for jumping on this journey. Advent 3, that means next episode, y'all. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. That's exciting. So, uh, yeah, until next time. Bye.